Yes, tomorrow is Valentine's Day. You know, a year ago, Valentine's Day was on a Sunday. Do you remember the sermon I preached in church that day? And that is a trick question. We didn't have church here that day. Do you remember that? Last year at this time was Snowmageddon. And we were stuck at home and we played a rerun of a previous service on our online live streaming, live in quotes. And I did a Facebook class on a wonderful love story, Ruth from the book of Ruth. Um, And so today I wanted us to speak about real love as Valentine's Day approaches tomorrow. You know, occasionally in this life, we experience a glimpse of real love. It may come through a story of a sacrifice that someone made for another person. It may be someone that is in our family that we're very close to, uh, a loving parent or grandparent, uh, a loving aunt or uncle, uh, a loving friend even. Occasionally in this life, we experience a glimpse of real love. Well, during our senior year in high school, on Valentine's Day in 1975, I gave Joyce a ring. No, not that ring. This ring. This wonderful promise ring. It was massive. It was I think 0.0294 carat diamond. It was incredible. And yes, that is the original box that it came in that she still has. And yes, it says J.C. Penney because I am a big spender. (laughs) Joyce and I met in seventh grade. We met in seventh grade, and she's not feeling well this morning. She's not able to be here, but if she were, she would tell you that in eighth grade, she had this huge crush on me. Now, I know that those of you who know her and know me are surprised to hear that, (laughs) but she did, and she would write William plus Joyce, always and forever, all of those fun little things. And because I was an eighth grade boy, I had no sense, and I told her one day at an eighth grade party um, that I only liked her as a friend. Yes. And because I am such the romantic, I told her that as I was chewing on a tuna fish sandwich. She hates tuna fish to this day, still. But that was eighth grade, and for all of you junior high girls, I just want you to know, middle school girls, the boys do grow up, <laughs> ultimately. It takes us longer, but we, but we do. And then she became a twirler our junior year of high school. We were in a band together for junior high and high school. I was a drummer. She was a flute player the last two years. She was a majorette. And uh, in October of our senior year, I finally asked her out. Now, it was, um, it was because, you know, I'm uh, real creative about these things. We were in the band hall, and um, I told her uh, she was looking for one of her flute players' uh, flutes, or, or actually a, a baton, I believe, 
for one of the junior twirlers. And I was up in the drum section, and I noticed there was, you know, she was down there, and I was trying to come up. How do I invite her out? I've known her for so long, but how do I, how do I ask her out on a date? And so I told her, well, you know, that baton may be up in the drum section. <laughs> Absolutely no way whatsoever could that baton ever end up in the drum section. Um, but that's what I told her. And so, uh, while she was up in the drum section with me, looking for a baton that had zero possibility of being there, I asked her, well, do you want to maybe go out for a pizza or something after the game Friday night? And she said yes. Well, at that game Friday night, on that Friday night in October of 1974, um, one of my drummers, as drummers tend to do, decided that the world revolved around him, and he didn't need to watch the drum major, and everyone should follow the same beat and tempo that, that uh, he did. And so he pretty much took everybody in the band out of the, the song. And so our band director was very upset with us that night, and he was not happy at all. And we got the chewing out of our lives after the game. And so we really didn't feel much like going out to eat. And so um, I asked her, well, how about if we just skip pizza tonight and just go out and get a Coke? And that's what we did at Griff's Burger Bar in San Antonio, Texas. And now ever since then, going out for a Coke has a whole different meaning for Joyce and me than just going out uh, for a Coke. But we went out and um, enjoyed that time together, and then uh, I took her home and uh, walked her to her front porch, and yes, I kissed her goodnight. We had known each other for five years. Come on. It's not like we had just met. We were very good friends. We had been in band, director, uh, been in band together. We knew each other very, very well, and, and so I, I gave her that that kiss goodnight. Um, and so she floated in to her house. I floated to my car, that wonderful 64 Ford Falcon station wagon. <laughs> and we've been together ever since. And then in, on Valentine's Day, that, that next Valentine's Day, I gave her this promise ring. I gave her that promise ring. About a year and a half later, I uh, gave her another ring, that ring, the engagement ring. And after our second year of, at Oklahoma Christian College, uh, we were married. And this May the 7th, that will be 45 years ago. And God has blessed us in far more ways than we deserve, certainly far more ways than I deserve. And we've been together through all the ups and downs, and we'll be together through the rest of the ups and downs that are ahead. Occasionally, in this life, we experience a glimpse of real love. The truth is, the best love that we experience in this world pales in comparison with the real love that our God has for us. And the real love that he calls us in response to have toward him. In our Bible classes this morning, uh, and, and over the last few weeks, we've been talking from the Old Testament in our adult classes. And we were able to talk uh, today about 
the incredible opening of uh, the temple in Solomon's time and how much the Israelites loved God and how much he loved them at that moment. The best love that we experience in this world just simply cannot compare with the love that our God has toward us. Solomon uh, acknowledged that love that God had in fulfilling his promises. Just as I gave Joyce that promise ring, but in an even greater, far greater way demonstrating a far greater love. So let's talk this morning about real love. First of all, real love, God's for us. This is where we start, right? And this morning, I want us to be in Exodus chapter 20. And you say, Exodus chapter 20, what, isn't that the Ten Commandments? That is the Ten Commandments. And I'm going to be doing some preaching in a while on uh, the Ten Commandments. But I want us to speak about God's love for us as being real love. And really, before God gives a single command in that passage about the Ten Commandments, this is what it says. And God spoke all these words, Exodus 20, 1 and 2. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Oh, how marvelous. Oh, how wonderful is my Savior's love for me. God reminds his people before he gives them a single command. I am the God who brought you out of Egypt. I am the God who loves you. I am the God who delivered you. I am the God who saved you. That's already happened. Without a single commandment given or a single commandment kept. God's love for us is always where it starts. It's always where it starts. Just as Tucker shared with us in that wonderful communion meditation, we look ahead to the time when the Savior died for us, that Lamb of God that we sang about, And experienced such a dark, dark moment in death that even the sun refused to shine. That demonstrates God's love for us. Because as Romans 5 tells us, it wasn't when we were good that God died for us. It was when we were sinners. That's when Christ gave his life for us. Just as our shepherd David Wicks shared during our shepherd's prayer time, for God so loved. That he gave. He gave that lamb of God. Real love. God's love for us. But then real love, that leads us to real love, ours for God. You see, it doesn't just stop with God's love for us. But rather there is a response. And the response is to love God with real love. To love the Lord, first of all. 
to love the Lord. In Exodus chapter 20, those Ten Commandments are finally given starting in verse 3. And you know them, you could probably recite them by heart. No other gods before me, God says. Make no images, even of the real God. Don't worship me falsely with images and, and icons that are far less than what the real God demands. Don't misuse God's name. Don't take the name of the Lord in vain. Our little kids would sing, oh, be careful, little mouths, what you say. And honor the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Remember to have times of rest, times of worship. These first four commandments of the Ten Commandments give us that call to love the Lord. When we speak about love and real love, ours for God, that's, that's what we mean, is loving the Lord. In Deuteronomy 6, Moses gives that great passage where he talks about how we are called to love the Lord our God with all of our heart and with all of our strength and with all of our soul and with all of our mind. What Jesus would later say is the greatest commandment in the law. To love God. And along with that, Jesus would say, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And that's something that we see in Old Testament times in the Gospels and in the New Testament as well. When you speak about real love, ours for God, it is based on the real love that God has for us. And it's a call to love God above every, everything else giving him everything about us. Again, as Tucker said, Jesus is Lord. And so because Jesus is Lord, what exactly does that mean? Well, it means that we give. <laughs> it means that everything we have is his. And so that's where we start from, and then, and then we give, just as Tucker shared. But it also means that we obey him in other ways as well. We, we live every day to fulfill his commands, not because we have to, not because we're going to be struck by lightning if we don't, but because we love him. And if we love him, then we will want to do his will. We will want to obey his commands. Real love is first of, is first of all God's for us. Secondly, it's ours for God. Love the Lord. But then secondly, love our neighbor. <laughs> and I think in a lot of ways, this is tougher, isn't it? Think of all the ways that you love God and all the things that God has done for you and how easy it is to love God and to serve him overall. Granted, we all fail at that in many ways, but overall, we never question our love for God. Loving our neighbor, well, that's another thing, isn't it? <laughs> that's a little bit harder because we know our neighbors and we're around our neighbors and our neighbors, well, our neighbors bug us. <laughs> they bother us. They're annoying. Whether it's a neighbor that's actually next door or a neighbor that's a part of our family or a neighbor that's a fellow church member. We get annoyed by other people sometimes and it makes it hard for us to love them. In fact, not only do we get annoyed by them, they hurt us sometimes. And they make it hard for us to love them. And yet there's still that call, love your neighbor. 
Not just love the Lord, love your neighbor. And so interestingly enough, the majority of the Ten Commandments are about this part. They're not about the part that says love God. They're about the part that says love your neighbor. The other six commandments are these, to honor your mother and your father, to not murder, not commit adultery or sexual immorality, to not steal, to not bear false testimony, don't lie, and to not covet, don't envy. In many ways, I think we find these harder than the first four, because I think sometimes it's harder to love our neighbor than it is to love God. And yet John would say, you can't love a God whom you haven't seen if you don't love your neighbor, your brother, your sister whom you have. But sometimes it's because we have seen them and we are around them and they have hurt us and that's why it's hard to love them. And that's what separates us as followers of Jesus. Jesus himself would say, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. And there's no greater love than when one lays down his life for another. Jesus would not only tell us that, but he would also live that. And so with these commands and calls to love our neighbor, it reminds us of that second great commandment according to Jesus, originally found in Leviticus chapter 19, in the middle of the law of Moses, There are these words, don't bear a grudge against one of my people, but rather love your neighbor as yourself. And what Jesus would say is that's the second great commandment. They only ask him about the first, but it's as if Jesus is saying, you've got to do both. You can't separate those two. And certainly that's what the rest of scripture teaching tells us. What exactly does that look like? If you want to know what it looks like, then go back and read the story of the Good Samaritan. Because it's told to explain what it means to love your neighbor as yourself. To live a life of love. To walk in the way of love. As David led us in that shepherd's prayer time. To look at those things and those... Uh, actions in 1 Corinthians 13 and actually do them, not just for your husband or your wife, but for everyone. Even for people, Bill, that, that I don't like, that treat me unfairly, yeah, especially them, especially them. Because for the others, it comes naturally. Everyone does that. Everyone is nice to the people that are nice to them. Everyone loves the people that love them. Everyone forgives when it's easy to forgive. But the call to love God includes the call to love our neighbor, and the call to love our neighbor is the call to forgive. Even in its very immediate context in Leviticus 19.18, it's saying, forgive. That's how you love your neighbor as yourself. You refuse to carry that grudge. You willingly forgive. 
because of God's love for us and because of ours for God, we love the Lord and we love our neighbor. And so today on, Valen- uh, today on Valentine's Day, tomorrow and every day, let's commit to two things. First of all, let us all commit to real love. To real love. This is a picture of how Joyce wears that promise ring now. <laughs> and it's attached to a, as a pendant to a cross. And, and I love that. And so the next time she's able to be here, I hope you'll ask her to see it. Because it's a beautiful piece of jewelry. One I'm sure that someday our daughters will fight over. <laughs> But I love that that promise made by a 17-year-old boy is something that's attached to the cross. Because for us, the real promise is the promise that we receive from the Lord to love us no matter what, to be with us no matter what, even so much that he would give his son to die for us so that he could be with us. The people that he loves. Today on on Valentine's Day, tomorrow and every day, let's all commit to real love. I have been blessed in this life with a real wonderful love. But even the very best love we experience in this life is nothing compared to the greatest love of all, the real love that our Lord has for us. And so as we commit today to real love, let us all commit to the real Jesus, to the real Jesus. Next week, I begin a new sermon series on the real Jesus. His promises are even greater than a high school drummer's promise ring given to his twirler girlfriend. (laughs) As real as that was and is, it's nothing compared to the promise that God has given to us to love us through thick and thin, to be there with us. Whatever is happening, to accept us back to him as many times as we will wrong him and go back to him. Why is that? Because that is real love. And today, if you want to resolve to be committed to real love, and we can help you come as we stand, and sing our song together.